last week, we started a brand new series called Roots, and it's a four-week series. We're now in week two of that series, uh, looking at who we are as a denomination. So if you're a guest with us today and you're like, wow, they're like really full of themselves with all the denomination stuff, it's because we want to take a look over the next couple weeks at who are we as a denomination? What holds us together? What is our history? What's been our story? What's been, what is the, the thing that links us uh, together? Um, what makes us the Christian and missionary alliance? And so we're going to take a look back at what held together a group of people who came out of mainline churches and met in, in Bible studies and house groups and cottage groups and revival meetings and, and what held together a group of people that, that sent their children to a missionary training school that was brand new and what was it about people that went through that school and, and to the regions beyond, as one of our founding fathers would say of the Alliance, to the regions beyond around the world to send this gospel message around the world. What was it that held these people together? What did they come together for? We want to, we're, we're looking back to remember what was at the core of our denomination so that as we as a church move forward into the future, we can hold on to that and we can celebrate that as well. We Last week we looked at and we understood that one of the things, one of the core uh, central ideas of the Christian Missionary Alliance that held these people together was the centrality of Christ in biblical teaching. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. And a lot of different people and a lot of different churches and a lot of different organizations from time to time will want to make the church, religion, Christianity about all these other things. And the Christian Missionary Alliance has stood, has stood steadfast and said, no, listen, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. This is the central message of the gospel. This is the central message. In fact, if you would look back in through the Old Testament, all of Scripture, it's all about Christ and what He was doing. And last week we looked at Him as our Savior. The one who reconciled our relationship with God. The one who paved the way so that we could come back into a right, restored, justified relationship with God. Because apart from Him, we have no hope. But Jesus Christ, our Savior, is our hope. Today we're looking at the second pillar of our denominational belief. Jesus Christ, our Sanctifier. The One who keeps us, makes us holy and right. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to the book of First Peter. Um, put your finger there. We're going to be. We're, I'm going to reference a number of different scriptures. They'll be up on the screen. We won't have time to read all of them, but I will at least allude to them, and you can write them down and, and check them out later. Um, we'll also introduce a couple of other scriptures that will be fully on the screen. Uh, you can write those down as well. But we're going to land in a little while in First Peter, chapter one. I don't know when it was. For you, I don't. I don't know when that moment for you happened. I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you remember the date. I don't know if you can refer back to it in your mind. I don't know if you can identify the exact 
date and time. But for me, it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year in high school. It was that season. It was that summer. It was the circumstances, the series of events that happened that summer where at the end of the summer, I knew this. I would either surrender and dedicate my life to God. At that moment, at that time, at that season, I would either surrender and dedicate my life to God or run the risk of turning away from Him and never returning. For me, I knew that it was that moment. It was now or never. It was you're all in or you're not. That was for me at that moment in that season. I remember that. It was will you surrender or will you just keep running? And for me, there is this strong sense that if I didn't surrender then, I don't know that I ever would. Would I commit myself to God in His ways? It was challenging. It was, it was difficult. You know, when we experience those kind of distinct moments in our lives, in our Christian walk, those, those crises moments, we have some soul searching to do. And we have to weigh the cost of a decision like that. I'm not talking about salvation. I knew I was saved. I, I grew up in the church and, and as a child sat with, with wonderful women in Sunday school classes who, who heard the gospel message. Some of them are here this morning. And, and I know I heard the message. And I know I gave my heart as a child to Christ. I knew that if I would die and stand before God, I could open up my wallet and pull out my fire insurance card. There it is. Dated, stamped, I've got it, I'm in, I'm saved. Fire insurance. I knew my soul was redeemed. But my life, my everyday living, my life was not set apart to God. I wasn't dedicated to Him. I wasn't surrendered to Him. It, was until, it wasn't until that summer where I finally said, you know what, I, I am dedicating, surrendering my life to God. Forgiven? Yeah, I was already forgiven. But my everyday living, I wasn't surrendered yet. As I mentioned last week, there's, there's more to salvation than just this future eternal reward that we look to and look forward to someday. There's more to the biblical concept of salvation than someday there's some eternity in heaven that I will attain and, and live in forever. The biblical idea of salvation is, is holistic. And so there's, there is this someday, one day there, but there's also the everyday today, right now, that God, through Christ, saved us for someday, but also in today, to bless us and to guide us and to strengthen us and to save us 
from the hell on earth that we experience. And has prepared something for us in advance. Paul writes in Ephesians that, that God formed us and crafted us and created us to do good works. And those good works were prepared for us in advance. They're prepared for you already. And so this idea of salvation is not only a future someday out there going to be, but there's a right here, right now. Will you grasp and hold on to and attain the good works that God has created you to do today? You see, I had asked for the forgiveness of sin for eternity, but I had yet to truly surrender the guidance of my life to God as Lord of my life. And I would believe that's the story for many of us. We've decided that forgiveness of sin, that, that's a good thing. I understand Jesus on the cross dying for my sin, and, and if I believe in Him and trust Him to pay the debt of eternity, the debt of sin for my eternity, I believe in that. I understand the forgiveness of sin. But where a lot of us stop short is the whole idea of God now leading my life. I'm all good with Jesus the forgiver, but as soon as you start talking about Jesus the leader, uh, we need to have a talk here. I'm not so sure that I'm ready to give Jesus the leader of my life complete control. I'm not so sure I want to give into that idea of his leadership. You see, we understand forgiveness. Forgiveness, I accept Christ. He forgives my sin and I've got the fire insurance card right there and I'm good. Because as God looks at me, I am set apart from the sin that separates us from eternity in heaven. He has covered me. He looks at me and he doesn't see this black, dark sin anymore. He sees the blood of Christ over me. So I am saved. Positionally, I am sanctified, set apart, sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. But my everyday life, my everyday living, I'm not so sure I want to give that up. And you see, for many of us, it's a control issue, isn't it? Some of us have control issues, don't we? I know some of us. And I know we have control issues. We don't want to give up control. I, I want to be in control of my life. I want the answers. I'm going to hound and hound and hound until I've got it the way I want. I'm going to position. I am going to position my life this way. I'm in control. No outside influence. No outside. In fact, I'm going to minimize all the outside influence and effects as possible. I am in control of my life. And God says, that's great, but it's broken. It's not going to work. God says, I want all of you. I want every piece 
of you. The Scriptures, time and again, read in the New Testament, time and again, Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. Forgiver, leader. They go hand in hand. Many of us, it's a control issue. He's crafted us and He's created us with purpose and He wants us to surrender to Him so that He can pour into our lives His goodness and His blessing so that we can live out the purpose that He created us for. But until we surrender to Him, we're still always going to be fighting against Him. Some of us have control issues. And some of us have cost issues. Because surrender, it costs something. And it's that one thing there that for some of us, we get hung up on. We get hung up on the cost factor. Maybe you don't have a control issue. You're, you're all good with Jesus controlling your life. You just don't want to pay the cost for Him to control your life. But let's not be arrogant or ignorant enough to forget that it costs God something too. Jesus released His place in heaven to become fully God and fully man and walk among this world. To be the final sacrifice which pays the debt and penalty of sin so that we could have life and eternity with God and to fulfill our God-designed purpose before we ever get to eternity. Jesus died for us, hung on a cross. Nails were driven into His wrists. Blood flowed that it would be a sacrifice for us. He died. He rose to new life from the grave. But it costs God something. And in return, it costs us something. That summer I was talking about cost me something. I had to consider the cost. I had to be willing to pay the price. It's not a, a story I, I tell often in, in public, but um, as a sophomore, <clears throat> as a sophomore in high school, I had the opportunity to start on a local high school football team that was pretty successful. The opportunity not only to start on that team, but to win a championship for that team that is now under, that we were then coached by uh, someone who's now a Hall of Fame coach. As a sophomore, I looked to the future and said, what would be? But that summer, when, when God wrestled with my heart, when He spoke into my life, He said, for you, here's the price. You want to follow me for you? You need to give that up. 
You need to surrender that. For whatever reason, and there are times God and I still go back and forth on this one. It's fall. Fall's coming, right? Friday nights, popcorn, the hot dogs, the band's playing, right? There are times I sit in those stands and I struggle with that. I'm like, why? And he said, for you. It was your issue. It was your thing for you. Not for everybody else, not for other people, but for you. You had to, in this moment, in this season, at this time, you had to give this up. So I did. Make a long story short, I didn't play my junior year. I actually skipped my senior year of high school and went to college a year early. Um, Not because I'm so bright, because I knew how to work the system. Um, I guess there's intelligence in there. But um, <clears throat> So fast forward and I play, I'm in college at Tacoa Falls Bible College and I'm in college and I have the opportunity to play baseball for three years in college. My senior year, we, uh, we as a team had the best season ever in the history of baseball at Tacoa since that, uh, up to that point. That year, our team won the district championship and I was the winning pitcher that day for that team. And just a couple years ago, we as a collective team, that class of 92, that team was enshrined in our college hall of fame, sports hall of fame. And I look at what God asked me to give up back then and the reward and the blessing he honored in my life because of the obedience I had on the back end. When I gave that up, I didn't know what would come. When I gave it up, I didn't know what the future held. All I knew was I was giving up because He said, for you in this season, in this moment, this is your issue. You give this up. You surrender. You dedicate. You walk with Me. And I'll take you to places you never dreamed of and I'll invest in your life in ways you never imagined and I'll bless you beyond measure. I didn't know what that was out there. I only knew right now what I had to give up. But when you get to the other end, have you ever stood on the other end and looked back and said, I'm so glad I was obedient. I'm so glad I gave it up. I wouldn't imagine the journey he took me on And that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that obedience brings blessing. When we are willing to obey and to surrender, He will pour into our lives things we couldn't even imagine. I'm not saying that we make sacrifices to get rewards. That's not what I'm saying at all. I I had no idea how my life would play out. But what God is looking for on the front end is obedience. When our life reflects that obedience, I believe He honors that. And He blesses us according to His plan for our life. I didn't surrender for the blessing. But I surrendered out of obedience and I was blessed because of it. This is the idea of sanctification. It's about surrender. It's 
the second pillar of the Christian Missionary Alliance, that Jesus Christ is our sanctifier. It simply means that we are set apart. We are set apart from sin. We set ourselves apart from something, and we set ourselves unto something. We set ourselves apart from the sin that is in our life, from all of the sin that entangles us, that tempts us, that trips us up, that holds us down, that that bogs our life. We set ourselves apart from that sin, and we make ourselves through surrender and dedication obedient, obediently available to God. God, whatever you want from my life. I'm apart from that sin, but I'm giving myself to you. And in the Hebrew, the word actually means not only to separate apart from, but also to then fill up. Separated and set apart so that you would be filled up with what God wants to pour into our lives. But I think the problem for some of us is we live our lives with the lid on. And God wants to pour into our lives the goodness and His blessings and His desire and His guidance and His wisdom and His control and His future for us. But for many of us, the lid is on and we don't receive it. It spills out. It's poured everywhere around us except within us. We're all good with Jesus my forgiver. But Jesus, my leader, where I have to take the lid off and let you pour into my life, that's where we struggle. You have been crafted by God to be a partner with God in the affairs of this world. Yet until we surrender our lives and are set apart from sin and unto God, we will miss what He has for us. We're just going to miss it. We're going to miss Him pouring into our lives. And for some of us, we miss it badly. Some of our lives or seasons of our lives have been marked with trying to find meaning and purpose and reason and answers that are scattered all over the place. Filled with destruction and brokenness and emptiness and isolation. Hurting other people all along the way. Because we've decided that we can have control and we can live our lives and we can master it. Think of your own life. For five seconds this morning, stop and look in the mirror and think of your own life. The journey you've been on. How have you tried to manage your life? What have you done to find hope and help and healing and forgiveness? How long do we have to live apart from God and unto sin until we realize it doesn't work? How long will we live apart from God, turning our back on what He has provided for us turning our back on Him, how long will we live apart from God and unto sin before we realize that it's broken and it doesn't work? 
I guess some of us don't ever realize it until our lives are ruined. Until we're on the brink of destruction. But how much greater, how much better, how much more blessing would there be if we would just give our lives up in the beginning? If we would just surrender at the outset, if we would just give up at first and then see where God would lead us, wouldn't there be greater blessing? Wouldn't the damage along the way be less? You may have bought the fire insurance, but you're missing what God wants to pour into your life without fully surrendering to Him. When God brings you to that moment of crisis, that distinct moment when you say, I want to surrender the control of my life to God and remove the sin that's in our lives, He sets your heart and He sets your face on the things of God and He empowers you and He equips you and He encourages you and He challenges you and He pulls you back into line when you step out of line and He keeps you moving forward for Him. As our life honors God, He honors us. Now let's be clear. Our life, surrendered and dedicated to Him, isn't perfect. It won't ever be. Don't imagine for one moment that the picture of a life surrendered to God is picture perfect, roses everywhere, and our, the, the trajectory of our life is a perfectly straight line going up and to the right until heaven comes. That's not the picture of a life surrendered to Christ. I like to look at it this way. Our life surrendered to Christ is more like the stock market. More like that. There are ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But over time, we're still trending up and to the right until heaven comes. We're still on that path. We're still on that journey. It's not perfect. Life isn't easy. God never said it would be. But He said that I will give you power. I will give you strength. I will equip you for the days that you have. If you will just surrender. Yes, your life may look like that. But you know what? That's okay. That's life in the body of Christ. Where there are years and times, you may look at that and say, that, that, maybe that is the picture of my life. I was going gangbusters back 10 years ago. Things were going great. And then in 2002, I don't know, uh, somebody in my family died and my whole life just got upside down and sideways really quick. And it was hard and it was a challenge and I didn't feel like I was growing and I feel like I was struggling. But my, my church rallied around me. I got into a small group and that small group encouraged me. I was going to a Bible study. I was getting into God's Word. I had a friend that would come alongside me, kick me in the rear end every now and then and say, what are you doing in your life? Come on, let's get going. And you know what? My life started to trend up. 2004, 2006, great times, great seasons. 2007 was a peak year in my life. It was absolutely fantastic. But you know what? Life happens and things happen and I messed up and I didn't do a good job at controlling this area of my life and my life tanked in 2008. But that church rallied around me and stuck by me and encouraged me and equipped me and built me up and back and I'm back, I'm trending upward. That's a life surrendered to God. 
That's a life that says, I'm willing to give up whatever you ask to follow you. Because I know that if I don't, that's a crash and burn the other way. Some of us don't surrender because we think we have to be perfect. Sanctification isn't about being perfect. It's about being surrendered. Peter, writing to the churches that were merely decades old in the faith, reminded and encouraged the people in verse 13 of chapter 1. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. For action. I love that. Action. Peter, stepping out of the boat, foot in his mouth all the time. Action. Prepare your mind for action. You think faith is is something that's passive and you just sit back and let things happen to you. Faith is about being involved with action. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope, which we looked at last week, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform. Children who are obedient, obedient children in the kingdom of God do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. You can see there in Peter's writing, this, there's this, this one-two punch of the message of the cross. Our, our, our hope first is set on Jesus Christ for, fut- for the future and future eternity. And then the second punch comes in, and you live now, as you live now. Not only looking to eternity, but as you live now, as obedient children, there's a call, there's an expectation to live by. Do not conform today, right now. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. It echoes Paul's writing to, to the church in Rome. No longer, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Peter says, do not conform anymore to the evil desires that you had, but be holy, be set apart, be set apart from that sin and set yourselves apart to God and allow Him to fill you and to use you. the hope of an eternal future and surrender to a holy living. Salvation and sanctification is centered on Christ. And when Jesus was praying in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, just before He went to the cross in that that picture of John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying in the garden, He said these words, He said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Them, he was talking about the disciples and all the people that would come after that would take up the name Christian. All who would understand the sacrifice and say and accept Jesus Christ as the forgiver. He's saying about those people, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Wrestle with that for a moment. But that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. And then he says, sanctify them. The the Son of God prays to the Father of God about us. 
And he says, sanctify them, set them apart from sin and unto you to be filled up for your use. Sanctify them by the truth of your word. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Verse 19, for them, for us, for them I sanctify myself, that they may too be truly sanctified. Now some of us would say, wouldn't it be nice, with all this trouble we have in the world, with all the challenges we face, I wish God would just remove me from the world. I just wish God would take me, take me home. I wish he would just lift the church out of the evil that is around us. Have we ever prayed that? God, just get us out of here. What's Jesus say? I don't want you out of here. I don't want you out of this world. I want you in this world. And in the world, Father, protect them from the evil one. But I want them in this world. I want them in the world, not removed from the trouble, not removed from the frustration, not removed from the challenges. I want them in the middle of it. And I want them to be sanctified, set apart from sin, set unto you, so that as they experience trouble and frustration and anger and resentment, and they work through all of that under your protection in the middle of this world, that they would be a beacon to those who are around them. Do not remove them from the world. Use them in the world. Sanctified, use them. May they have influence on the people around them. May they have influence in our civic leadership. May they have influence in the business world. My goodness, don't take all the Christians out. Who would tell the gospel message then? If we're all gone, as Paul writes in Romans, who's going to share the message? So don't pray to be gone. Pray to be protected and sanctified that we may have influence on those who are around us for the sake of the kingdom. Jesus is the one who sets the pace. He said, I sanctify myself that they too, may be truly sanctified. Jesus, through the cross and resurrection, provided sanctification for us. And God, the Holy Spirit, is the agent of empowerment in us day to day to live that life that is set apart, sanctified, and protected. We can't do it in our own strength. We know that. We know that battle, don't we? Many of us have tried to live a a good life, a right life, a holy life. But it's always been, but but until a moment of distinct decision to be surrendered, it's always been about our way. And it just doesn't work. It's just broken. So the Holy Spirit fills us with power and strength. 
to resist sin and to walk in obedience. Jesus is the provider and the Holy Spirit is the agent. Thought of my insurance company. It's kind of like that, right? You all have, I hope, an insurance company for your automobile that provides the insurance for you, right? But if you get in a fender bender or you need to add a car to your your plan or you need to upgrade something or take a car off, who do you call? You call the agent. You have an agent that you work for. The agent is part of the company. Get the illustration? Jesus provides sanctification through the cross. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that comes and fills our hearts and spirits every day to give us that power and that strength to walk every day. To be protected, to be a person of influence, to resist temptation when it comes our way, to help us out of the valleys when our life is like the stock market, to give us a vision for the future when we're on the peak of it. The Holy Spirit moving through us, our heart and our spirit guides us and directs us and empowers us because of what Christ did on the cross. Paul alluded to it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Set yourself apart from the sin that's in your life, drunk with wine, and set yourselves unto God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And A.B. Simpson writes this regarding sanctification. We choose to be transformed to His image, but, but we cannot create that image by our own morality or struggles after righteousness. How many of us would say amen to that? We cannot, we cannot conform by our own morality, by our own righteousness. We've tried it. I've tried. I've tried. I'm going to try again. God, tomorrow, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder to be like you. No, you don't get it. It's not about you trying harder. It's about you surrendering. I give up control. I give up trying. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill me with power and to guide me today. Simpson goes on, we must be created anew in his likeness by his own spirit. See, I told you. We turn from the sin, choose to be holy. God fills our proffered hand with his own spotless righteousness. Our faith is the filling of his spirit and the imparting of the faith of God. We choose to trust and he makes that choice good by enabling us to believe and continue in the faith grounded and settled. And so living by the faith of the son of God. Now, why is this so important that we would dedicate a whole day to it? It's a mark of obedience. Throughout Scripture, the themes are clear. Be holy, for I am holy. Do not conform to the evil desires. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Set yourselves apart. Be transformed. It's, a war, it's, a, it's an act of obedience of us giving our lives to God. 
a message to our world as well. That Christianity is not an empty faith, but full of life and hope. It's a testimony or evidence to an unbelieving world as well. We really do live out what we believe when we are surrendered. Someone once said that the single greatest cause of atheism is Christians who believe, who confess with their mouth that they believe in Christ, but then in the the lifestyle that they live, they deny Him. They confess with their mouth, but their lifestyle, they deny Him. That's why this world looks at us and laughs. We have a whole bunch of people that want to buy into Jesus' forgiver. but turn their back on Jesus, the leader. It fulfills the deepest recesses of our souls and and it ends a battle. I don't know how many of you are sitting here today and you're, you're sitting here and you're thinking, I'm so tired of fighting. I'm so tired of trying to be good. I'm so tired of trying to be good. My encouragement to you is stop trying. Just surrender. I'm convinced that this is one of the greatest struggles we will have as a church in the Western world in the years ahead. This call to holiness, this call to righteous living. I'm concerned that we together, being Christ's church, will slowly ignore the call to surrender. And we will dilute faith to something we merely believe about and not actually something we live out. And I wonder how many people, families, children, couples, marriages, homes are in jeopardy. In jeopardy of turning away from God because they've never drawn a line in the sand and said, I'm going to live for Christ. I've, I've given, I've, I've asked Him to forgive me of my sins and now I come to Him as Lord of my life. I want to surrender. I've considered the cost. I'm paying the price that He asks me to pay and I surrender. I follow Him. How many homes are in jeopardy of never attaining that? I'm sure that the call to surrender, I'm sure of it. And and to personal holiness will be a central theme for the church in the years ahead. To live out Christ's character, practices, and priorities. And I'm excited Because I know the church, and this church in particular, when you're challenged, you rally. You rise to the call. And this morning I can't help but think that God is challenging your heart and asking, will you surrender? Will you allow me to guide your life? Will you allow me to pour into your life what I want to. I'm sure that some of us today are wrestling with that. So as our worship team comes to lead us in the last song, I'm I'm just going to ask you to wrestle with God back and to ask Him, what's the price? What is it that you want from me to be fully surrendered to you? And are you willing 
to pay that price. We're looking for a church to be the place where people can find help and hope and healing from people fully devoted, surrendered to Him. But the church cannot be fully devoted, surrendered until the people of the church are fully devoted, surrendered. In these next few moments, you and God share a moment. Walk out of here today knowing what you're going to do with your life. And if you would like, the altar's open. You can come and pray down here and we can work together.